at Riverbank, we believe you can heal, grow, and fulfill God's plans for your life as the power of God touches you through this prophetic teaching by Pastor Dominion. Get excited and hop into it. Thank you, Lord. Please close your eyes and let's pray. Father, we thank you because the entrance of your word gives light. Thank you because there is understanding for us. We do not walk in darkness. We have the light of life. We are doers of your word because we have your spirit. Your name is glorified in Jesus' mighty name. We pray. Say loud, amen. How many of you are excited that our airbenders are back? You guys are not really excited. They didn't miss you people. How many of you are excited that our airbenders are back? All right. It's so good to see you guys. You guys look so fresh. Home food is good, Abby. You guys have made money on your own and you fed yourself. It's good to see you. Welcome back. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you ready for the word? No response. Are you ready for the word? See, my heart is ready. My spirit is receptive. I can do all that God has said I can do. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Wisdom is good to see you. Hallelujah. We're studying something, or we started studying something titled Fighting Temptations. Say Fighting Temptations. And this is the last part of a four-part series. And today we're looking at fighting as light in a world of darkness. Say fighting as light in a world of darkness. Say it like it's you. Fighting as light in a world of darkness. First John 1 verse 19. All right, it's projected. Please read everybody want to go. All right, read the first part again. Want to go. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. He says, we know that we are of God. Say, we know that we are of God. This is so powerful. If you understand this, this would blow your mind. He says, we know that we are of God. We came from God. Ah, that's big. That's big. You know, in a world where there are people that are like, you know, they're hoping and praying that when they die, they will go and meet God. It says, we know that we came from God. We know. Just say one more time, we know we are of God. You know, there are people that think about Jesus, for example, and say, oh, it makes sense. Jesus came from God and he returned to God. And that's true. He came from God, he returned to God. But you see, that's not the complete story. That's not the complete story. When Jesus came from God, he came because we had sinned. And we were deserving of death. That's very important. And so what Christ did when he came was an exchange. He took our place in death. He took our place in death. Please don't be distracted. Praise the name of the Lord. Say, he took my place in death. And when he did it, it was for a reason. It was an exchange like I told you. So, when he died for us on the cross, he took our place. He did that so that the things that are his will become ours. And that's mind-blowing, like I said. So, Jesus, when he came, said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son of God. His only Son. But at the exchange, the Bible said he brought many sons to glory. Ah! Do you know what that means? 
that he brought many sons to glory. I explained to you during camp meeting what glory means. Glory means that you are in a class of your own. There is none like you. And so, the Bible in describing who God is, he said, who is like you? Oh God, who is like you? Among the gods, when you gather all the gods in the world. Oh my goodness. He said, who is like you? Usually in those days, almost every nation had different gods they were worshipping. Different gods, different idols for one nation. And so, in describing God alone, they say, who is like you when we gather all of them? Who is like you? He says, you are glorious in holiness. You outclass them. So, when we gather gods, we see one God that is above all of them. And that's our daddy. Glory to God. That's what glory means. But now, hear what Jesus says. The Bible says that he has brought many sons to glory, to a class that is unique. When we look at all of humanity, and we great men, there is a class that is distinct. In that class, initially, it was only Christ, the only begotten of the Father. Now he has brought us to that place. So, the Bible says, as he is, so are we. You know, that's beautiful. Because he said he brought sons to glory. That's, so, when you look at yourself, you must look through the lens of the word of God. You must look through the lens of the word of God. So when the Bible says, we are of God, it's no more a case of, you know, there's just one begotten son. No, he's brought many sons. He's brought many sons. No wonder when you read 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Hmm. John, oh my goodness, penned down something you cannot read without gospel. He says, now are we the sons of God. Huh. It means the DNA of God flows through our veins or through our spirits. There are abilities that are distinct to God alone that we have. So, when a disciple of Jesus told Jesus, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. He says, you've been with me and you're asking for the Father. If you've seen me, we're learning on light in the midst of darkness. Because if you can't see yourself as who God has made you, you can't shine as light. And that is one of the challenges with the modern day Christian. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We'll read verse 14. Alright, it's projected. I want you to read this one. Look at it. Matthew 5, 14. Read together, everybody wants to go. One more time. He says, you are the light of the world. Ah. Do you know what Jesus said? When he was on earth, he said, as long as I'm here on earth, he says, I am the light of the world. Now he's going and he says, you are the light of the world. Meaning, the way people see me, that's how they should see you. There shouldn't be any difference. The term Christian literally means you are like Christ. Don't get too calm. Don't get too familiar with it. Don't get too familiar with it. And then this is a popular scripture. You are the light of the world. And we all know it. And then we use different phrases. I'm a light bearer. Some say light and salt you are the light of the world what does it mean what exactly does it mean to be the light of the world you've heard it from sunday school what does it mean
how do you beam as the light that God wants you to be? Because you can claim I know this scripture. Isn't it city set on a hill? But what does it mean? Have you ever shone as light in this world? Do you know what it means to be light? Do you know the implication of being light? Do you know the responsibility and the burden of being the light of the world? Do you know how annoying it is for the only bob in your room to get spoiled in the middle of the night when you're trying to read for exam? They're like, my village people are finally caught up with me. Dear light bearer, dear light and salt, what does it mean to be light? That's what we want to study. Because you can know the scripture all your life and never blink as light. I'm not saying shine. Light is simple. It doesn't matter if your eyes are functional. If you're in a room of pitch darkness, you won't see anything. You can as well, God forbid, be blind because there will be no difference. You can't see. You have eyes. You can't see. So true light. So because of light we see and true light, we're able to see other things. Where is the corridor? Through light, you are able to see where the corridor is. If there's something you can stumble on, through lights, you can see it so you don't stumble. The world is blind. The Bible says the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who have not believed the gospel. People are blind. They are not seeing. People are sick. They are not healthy. People are walking and stumbling on themselves and they do not realize you are light. You are the one that can see and through you, they can see. If they tell you they know what they are doing, they are lying. Someone in pitch darkness can be walking into a ditch and claim he knows the road. He says, you know this route, I've driven through this place multiple times. I know where I'm going to. He's headed for ditch. With every second, he's closer. But he claims, I'm familiar with this route. I've studied it very well. And so, when people in the world tell you, we've studied humanity, we understand men, we understand the difference between men and women, we understand how people are, we understand how life should be lived, it is a lie. Without light, you can't see. Without light, you can't see your You don't know what you are doing. You are directionless. We listen, have you seen people do things? Maybe on the internet or say things. Or have you watched some movies and you are like, with due respect, oh, people are running mad. Have you, have you experienced it before? And they claim they know what they are doing. They claim they are woke. They, they think they are awake and their eyes can see. You lie. And it's a huge problem. Because if it was physical blindness, they'll be able to know. Imagine if you were born into pitch darkness. Think about what I'm saying. You were born, let's say, in a nation or in a city that has never seen lights of the sun or the moon. And so, from birth to your adolescence, you've always been in darkness. You don't even, you don't know if you are blind or you can see. You will never know that there is light. Because all you are exposed to is pitch darkness. David said, in iniquity did my mother conceive me. People have been blind for the longest time. They don't know what light looks like. They don't know what the way looks like. We have a responsibility as light to help them see, to open their eyes. You know what the Bible says? Paul said that, how about the things you were doing that now you are ashamed of? 
You did those things in time past, wherein the gods of this world were controlling you. You thought you knew what you were doing. You thought you were woke. Now you are ashamed of them. He says it's even shameful to talk about the things that are done in secret and in darkness. I'm calling on every one of us to rise as light. Christ, the Son of God, said you are light. There's a call upon your life. There's a responsibility. Because of you, people must see. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How to fight as light. How to fight as light. I want this teaching to be as clear as possible so that you can practice it. Are you ready? Say, I'm a doer of the word. Say, I'm a doer of the word because I have God's spirit. How to fight as light? Number one, light is the absence of darkness. Say, light is the absence of darkness. I can't hear you. Light is the absence of darkness. What we're doing today is we're starting from you. The point one is from you. Let's take every darkness away. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21. Galatians chapter 5. Read together, everybody. It's projected one, two, go. Uh-uh, everybody, one, two, go. Verse 20. Glory to God. I need you to pay extra attention today because throughout this series we've been teaching on different things. We've taught on you know, fighting temptation for beginners. We've taught on fighting addictions. We've taught last week on fighting sexual temptation of sexual addiction, you know. And you thought, okay, I've heard everything I need to hear. I've learned how to fight as a beginner. I've learned how to fight addiction. I've learned sexual immorality. What else is there to learn? This one is important. The reason is this. We have a propensity to focus on the habits that we think is the strongest most embarrassing the one you are most ashamed of the one you've tried hard to overcome we have that tendency but we say light is the absence of darkness so God doesn't want you to pick a few things that you are really concerned about and deal with them he wants everything that is not of God to go so go back to verse 19 we are going to look at what he's saying because he says, now the works of the flesh are evident. When it has to do with what the flesh looks like, this is a list for you. He says, the works of the flesh, the things that are not consistent with light, they are clear. And I want to propose that there are three categories. And each verse is a category. He says, the works of the flesh are evident. And this is the first category. It seems to me like the first category has a lot to do with the flesh, the lust of the flesh, things of the body. It says adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, and what's that word? Lidness, all right. Some versions say lasciviousness. What do these things mean? Because you might be plagued with this thing that you do not know. Of course, fornication and adultery is clear. But what's uncleanliness? Here's a definition that would help you. Impurity of lustful luxury. What I call it? Impurity. I'm going to explain. Impurity 
of lustful luxury. It means it's lustful. It's not pure. And it comes across as luxurious. It's lustful. It's unpure. And it comes across as flakes. Have you seen or heard? Remember that this category is one of the things that lost of, lost of the flesh, right? Have you heard of people that demand weird sexual activities because they can pay for it? They can pay you for it. It's called uncleanliness. Did you hear what I said? It's called uncleanliness. And before your mind go very far, you might need to check yourself and check around yourself. There are guys that want to have a lady's back on their bed because they can pay for it. Even if the payment is food or a drink. It's called uncleanliness. You have to check yourself. Are you hear what I'm saying? Are you hear what I'm saying? If you do this, I'll send you money. If you do this, I'll pay for this. Impurity lustful luxury it's just pure flex the bible says it's wrong are you hearing me ah. some people take advantage of people because they are weak and they know that it seems like without them the people will not survive they know that the person is just you know Staying with them because they have the means to fund the person's life. It's called uncleanliness. The next one is lasciviousness or lewdness, like we said. It's whatever is co contrary to chastity. It means unbridled lust. Say unbridled lust. There's no limit to what you can ask for. There's no limit to what you can do. You say, I'm a dear devil. Licentiousness. Do you know how depraved you have to be? Oh my goodness. To do some of the things that people do in our day. Please pardon me, but how many of you have heard of the game Smash or Pass? Just in five show of hand. I've heard of it, that's what I'm telling you exactly. Thank you. This one, more people should raise their hand. Kiss or slap. Do you know how depraved you have to be? Somebody said, Tiki, why you why do you know everything? <laughs> I'm kidding. Do you know how depraved you have to be to meet a random stranger on the streets and kiss the person in public? In front of a camera. I told you the people are sick. They are sick. They just don't know it. It's just a game. It's not a game. It's not. Why? I don't know many things to do. Why this? There's no limit to what you can do. No limits. No limits. You can do anything. You say, I have mind. I'm a man of my own. I, nobody will tell me what to do. You are wrong. You are wrong. Listen. He says, You were bought with a price. 
He says, honor God with your body. You can't do anything you want to do. Are you hearing me? Licentiousness. If, you, if no one has told you, those games and everything like that is wrong. It's wrong. Why does your truth or dare always end in those kind of things? What's the problem? Out of everything to dear people of in the entire universe, this one, what's the problem? Let's do truth or dare. Because your mind is so corrupt. There are different things you can do, but it's always this. I dare you, this week you must win a soul. You can't do that one. I dare you, pray three hours tomorrow. You can't do that one. I dare you to read your Bible every day this year. You can't do that one. What's the problem? Listen. People that are blind are guiding us and we are following them. We don't realize. Light is asking darkness for direction. So I can't see road. Can you direct me? And so... There are things that we see today. For example, so maybe you think it's weird that people do it as a game. But you think it's okay for two people that are not married to kiss in a movie. I'm not even saying anything beyond that. I'm saying that one. Just... They are acting as man and wife. They are not man and wife. They are not. They are not. I hope you know that. You don't know. Now, you think that's extreme. You think that in God's provision, He can say, oh, this is acting. Okay, no problem. Sort of everything to act in the entire world. Many of you have lived with parents, lived with uncles, been around married people. You probably have never seen them kiss, but in every movie, the couples must. There's a problem. It's a programming. When you don't, let me tell you something here. Eh? When you don't realize that there's a problem with all of these examples I'm giving, this is what's happening lasciviousness. License. You've given too much license. So anything goes. Can there be a movie without those things? Yes. Can I tell you something? One thing I've realized is this. Once you close your mind to possibilities, then you'll never be able to access possibilities. You can shoot a good movie that sells well without it. You just need to think well and be very creative. For example, the, even with comedians, many of the Nigerian comedians are very vocal, but there are many comedians around the world that are very clean, very funny. Very, very funny. So, you think it's impossible? It's not. It's not. It's not. So don't think that it's not possible for us to have movies that are clean. You think it doesn't matter. You know that thing that they say, now for clap, night dance, they start. That's what's going to happen, though. Compromise is the beginning of sin. When you give the devil small room, he won't say, okay, I will respect myself. You've been very nice to me. You just gave me this small space. I'll stay here. No. We've already learned that temptation is a journey. He's taking you somewhere. The second category, verse 20. Read verse 20, everybody want to go. Want to go? This category seems to me to have to do with things I call high emotions. Contention, jealousy, outburst of wrath, selfish ambition. And you might have these things and you don't know you should work on them because you are trying to focus on things that you think are more urgent. 
Light is the absence of darkness. Let all of these desires live your life. Contention is hatred that proceeds to open acts. Jealousy. You are sad when people are happy. You are sad when people win. It's a problem. It might be, it might be somewhere in your heart, but it's there. You are probably competing with somebody around you. And the person might not know. It's bad. It's bad. Jealousy. Listen, the person might have hurt you, might have treated you badly, but the fact that you have allowed it to enter you, sometimes the reason why many of us want to win is so that they will know. Outburst of anger, uncontrolled anger. We have cute phrases for them. I'm quick-tempered. And the quick vex. Light is the absence of darkness. Light is the absence of darkness. That it takes over you. Have you seen people that when they are angry, nobody can talk to them? They act irrationally. And sometimes what we are trying to do is manage the anger. No! Walk in the spirit. He says, put to death. Kill that lust of the flesh. Kill it. No, manage it. Not see how you can go through life with it. He said, put to death the deeds of the flesh. He didn't say you should manage it. You don't manage it. You put it to death. You stifle it until there's no life in it. Some of you, when you are angry, they cannot appeal to you. Nobody can appeal to you. You do things you later regret. You say things you later wish you can recount. Light. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Is the absence of darkness. Kill it. Are you hearing me? Light of the world cannot be given someone black eye. <laughs> no. The Bible says it because you can do it. It says, don't let the sun. Go down on your anger. Control it. Ah, ah, control it. This is why we started with saying, I have the DNA of God. I can't just lose it. Eh, 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 eh. You can't just say anything. The Bible says, let your words be seasoned with grace. Let it bless those that hear you. Not I give them a piece of my mind. They don't used to try me. Uh-uh. Are you hearing me? Control it. Because right there might just be a spirit camping. Waiting for the time of his showing forth. Touch your neighbor, say control your anger. Some of us can keep grudge. You nurse it like a baby. You know the way Africans can hide pregnancy. That's how you, you nurse your grudge. You nurse it. You make sure that the person doesn't know that you're keeping a grudge. There's some of you, you know, it's our parent generation that they don't to allow people to know. Then in our generation, when you're pregnant, you go and snap and you show everybody. So, some of you have taken this generation's approach. You make sure the person knows you are keeping a grudge. No. Are you sharing me? I told you this teaching is important. Handle it. If you always 
Listen, I'm not saying provocation will not come. I'm saying you have a personal responsibility to manage how far you can go with anger. The Bible says it's okay to be angry. It's not a sin. It says be angry but sin not. Meaning there's allowance for it but there's a threshold you must not hit. Don't let the sun go down. You can't keep the anger for long. But the person has been doing it again and again and again. Jesus says, if it's forgiveness, you must forgive as God forgave you. Let me tell you, there's nothing anybody can do to you that you should not forgive. You know why? Because when you sinned against God, if you hurt me, it's probably your actions I saw, what you said. I don't like what you said. I don't like what you said behind me. I don't like how you treated me. God looks beyond actions. He looks at thoughts. He looks at intention. You intended to do this. This is why you did. He looks at it. He weighs everything. And he says, this is how much your anger, your sin weighs. Meaning when you were angry, when the person was angry with you, the things he did not say, God heard. The level the person did not want to go with the insult, God heard. And he looks at intentions. I've told you God looks at the heart. You must forgive. The selfish ambition. Where you want to go up. And make sure that every other person goes down. Have you seen people like that? The third category. Oh my goodness. Seems to be lethal or fatal in its consequences. Read the third one. Verse 21. One to go. He says, look at this. He says, envy. Envy. Mothers. Drunkenness. Revelings. You know, the Bible says, when you are angry at your brother without curse, you've committed murder in your hearts. You just don't like this person. What did he do? Nothing. You just hate the person. Just so envious of the person. He puts it in the same category as murder. And there's this drunkenness he's talking about is just excessive, you know, drinking. Have you seen people drinking and just fighting? And you are like this, what is happening? That's what he's talking about. They will break somebody's head now. Praise the name of the Lord. Now listen, as a Christian, there's a tendency to go through these things, feel these things, experience these things, struggle with these things, and think this is who I am. In fact, this is how we are in our family. But I want to tell you in the most humble way possible that you are wrong. This is not who you are. There's a difference between how you feel and who you are. James chapter 1 verse 14 says something. It says, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away with his, by his own desires. So, it's possible that you are drawn away with how you feel. But that's not who you are. That's not who you are. Because the Bible makes it clear who you are. Psalm 119 verse 9. I like the Amplified Classic. It says, how can a young man cleanse his way? This is beautiful. Because he's saying, I understand, you are messed up already. You've accepted things you should not accept. So how can we clean you up now? He's not saying this is your identity. If it's your identity, we can't wash it away. 
you might have a proclivity, but that's not your identity. That's what I'm saying. He says, how can a young man cleanse his way? He says, by taking heed according to the word. I like the Amplified. It says, by keeping watch unto yourself, according to the word of God, conforming his life to it. Meaning, I understand that you have a tendency to be angry. You have a tendency to be licentious. You have a tendency for envy, for jealousy. He says, but how can you clean yourself? He says, by watching yourself. But he didn't stop there. He didn't say by watching yourself and saying, oh my goodness, there's so much lost in my life. Uh-uh. There's so much anger, I can't control it. Uh-uh. There's so much envy, I don't know what to do. Uh-uh. There's so much licentiousness and lust. Uh-uh. He says, watching yourself according to the word. Meaning, look at yourself through the lens of the word. So, if the word of God says that you have the DNA of God, believe it. If the word of God says you can put to death the works of the flesh, believe it. I know you've tried, but believe it. He says, how will you fix it? He didn't say try. He says, look at yourself. Accept a perspective about yourself that's consistent with the word. It's okay that you admitted that, ah, I have anger issues. It's okay. Faith doesn't deny the facts. It's okay to say I have lustful tendencies. It's okay that you're admitting the facts. But when it comes to the conclusion... And there's a difference between the fact and the conclusion. A fact is somebody has cancer. Conclusion is he's going to die. There are two different things. There is, you know, I'm struggling with sexual temptation. There's the conclusion that I will never overcome. Or this thing is going to embarrass me one day. That's conclusion. There is, I have homosexual tendencies there's conclusion this is who I am looking at yourself is powerful he says according to the word so your identity is in the word of God are you hearing what I'm saying? Identity is in the word of God. The Bible admits that you've messed up. But you say, how can you cleanse yourself? Let me take this time to say, look, if you don't listen to messages and read your Bible, and you are waiting for science journals, to tell you who you are, you are asking blind people for the way. The God of this world has blinded their eyes. We said you should fight as light, right? What's number one? I can't hear you. What's number one? Light is the absence of darkness. Number two. Light is the presence of illumination of good works. Light is the presence of illumination or good works. Light is the presence of illumination or good works. Can I tell you something? This point is where the devil has trapped most of us. He didn't disturb himself with you being a believer. But he made sure you were preoccupied with overcoming habits that you forgot to shine as light. Light is the presence of illumination or good works. So most of us, all we are trying to do is overcome. I need to overcome. I need to overcome. And you forgot that you are light. And you are meant to shine. Matthew 5, 14 and 16. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, verse 16. Matthew chapter 5, 
He says, you are the light of the world. He said, a city set on a hill cannot be hid. Verse 16. Read together, everybody wants to go. I, do you have verse 16? It says, please listen. It says, let your light so shine before men. Let your light so shine. Please read this together, everybody wants to go. Glory to God. He says, allow your light to shine. He says, that they may see your words. That they may see your good works. And glorify your Father in heaven. Listen, we've often thought that, oh, people should not see your good works. Hide your good works. There is that. But there is an aspect of Christianity where the way people glorify your Father in heaven is that they see your good works. Are you hearing what I'm saying? An instruction by Jesus is that you beam this light so that men will see your good works. Light is the presence of good works. Light is the presence of good works. So even though he says that in Matthew 6, 5, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray, standing in the corners of the streets and synagogue, that they may be seen by men. The difference between you and them, oh my goodness, is that their motive is that they will be seen. That they, what they have achieved by their abilities will be seen. But for you, the right thing is that you, are, you want your good works to be a testament of what God has done in you. And so when people can see what God has done in you, this is why they give glory to God, not see you as a hero. So that you can tell somebody, I used to be vengeful. And the person says a lie. You are just trying to preach a good sermon. Say, I'm serious. I used to be addicted. And the person says, it's not possible. You, emoji. Let your light so shine that men will see your good works. And they will say, this is the work of God. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. It's a peculiar people. He said to show forth the praises, to shine it. Let people see that you're a royal priesthood. All of these things are in your spirit. There's no crown on your head that we can see. You're not sitting on a physical throne, but he called you royal priesthood. You are one person, but he says you're a holy nation. You might not look like you're special. We say you are peculiar. The reason is that you show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. As light you must shine. First John 1 verse 5 to 7. This is the message which we've heard from him that declare and declare to you that God is light. Say God is light and in him there's no darkness. He says for we say that, for if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, he said we lie. Light is illumination or good works. He says, and the truth is not in us. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship. Look at this one. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. He says, I desire therefore that men should pray everywhere. He says, lifting up holy hands. Did you see that? Did you see that? So, whilst Jesus said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites that love to pray in street corners to be seen. The Bible also says, I desire that men should pray everywhere. You are in the prison. He says, lift up your voice and pray. This is why they prayed and the prisoners heard them. He says, lift up your holy hands without wrath and doubtings. Next one, next verse. He says, in like manner also, the women adore themselves, wear this. He says, with modest apparel, right? With propriety and moderation, not with braided hair and gold and pearls and costly clothes. Next verse. 
He says, but with proper, but which is proper for women professing godliness with where it's. Wait. So when people see you, there should be something finer than what you're wearing. And it's your good works. If you don't have a commendable character as a believer, you are wrong. You are not shining. You are not shining. You are not shining. You are not shining. If your appearance it's finer than your character, you are wrong. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And this is very interesting that Paul uses women because usually they would be more adorned than men. Look at the things he mentioned. And I don't have the time to explain it today, but it doesn't mean that they should not wear all of those things. But he says, what you, your character should be finer than anything you've ever worn. On your wedding day, your character should be finer than the bride and how you look. If you don't know why people don't see us as light, this is the reason. Many times Christians have smelly characters. So, the devil keeps you occupied trying to overcome. You forgot to being the finest character people have ever seen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. Galatians 5.22 So, listen, listen, listen. So he said the fruit of the Spirit, fruit, singular, he says, is love. Please pay attention. Love. And so he mentions a list of things that when you put them together, it's called love. It's called love. So, have you been working on joy? Have you been working on peace? Have you been working on long-suffering or patience? Have you been working on goodness? He's a good fellow, very good person. Is that you? Are you a faithful person? Are you dependable? Are you gentle? Do you have self-control? So maybe we should agree that even though we know a lot about God's word, we don't know the slightest thing about love. And the world cannot see love. They can't see the lights. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? So now I want this to be your preoccupation. Joy. So when people see that you're excited, in your class, they should say, This is the happiest person in this class. Why are you so happy? What's your own? Tell us, why are you happy? And your honest evaluation is the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's the fruit of my spirit. Why are you so happy in business? Are you, are you making sales? Yeah, I might be making some sales, but that's not why I'm happy. Why are you so happy on this job? I thought all of us are frustrated. Our boss is not a nice person. The company is not helping us. The pay is not good. Working condition is terrible. Why are you happy in this office? You must tell us today. The joy of the Lord. Now you are beaming as light. You are a city that has been set on a hill. You cannot be hidden. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? So there's trouble everywhere. Why are you peaceful? You don't look like you're troubled. From insecurity to the economic meltdown, you just look calm. What's, what's it? The peace of God guards my heart. Now you're a city set on a hill. Maybe you should be impatient. You were so impatient from birth, you didn't wait for nine months to come out. And then we look at you. You're able to just bear with people, suffer along with people, understand the frailties of people. And why are you so understanding? This person is taking you on a ride, he's just walking on you. I'll be walking over you. A city set on a hill. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Why do you have so much self-control? Because it is him that's at work in me. Both to will and to do his good pleasure. Light is the presence of good works. Say that with me. Light is the presence of good works. Say one more time. Light is the presence of good works. Listen, I want you to walk on this thing. Beam as light. In the name of Jesus, beam as light. Preoccupy yourself with beaming as light. Let your joy be evident. Let it be palpable. Doesn't matter how your face is, how you, maybe respectfully, how you find your family. It doesn't matter your temperament. Beam as light. Let there be always a glow in your face. Let there be brightness from your eyes that's coming from the inside of your being. If you say love is the most important thing, this is what love is. Joy. Peace. Long-suffering. When you are doing this, there's no asking you, are you a Christian or you are not a Christian? People will say, I like your type of Christianity. I want to be your type of Christian. What's number one? What's number two? Number three. Light is brutal and hostile. Light is brutal and light is hostile. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 and 9. He says, for we were once darkness. He says, but now we are light. He says, walk as children of light. He says, for the fruit of the Spirit is no goodness and righteousness and truth. This is what we talked about. Right? The fruit of the Spirit is this. And then he goes for that to say, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness he says but rather expose them brutal and hostile you see that brutal and hostile this is where ministry is because you are the light of the world you are meant to enter the systems of this world expose darkness establish lights expose mindsets that are not of God he says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Right? That's 2 Corinthians 4, um, 10 verse 4. He says, but they are mighty true God to the pulling down on strongholds. Casting down imagination and any high thing to exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ. Any form of knowledge that wants to exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ, you pull it down. You have a responsibility, people of God, to make sure that wherever you are, light and darkness does not thrive. The writer of Hebrews said, when you ought to be teachers, he was talking to an entire nation of people. When you ought to be teachers, you have need for one to teach you again the elementary principles. 
When you're made to be confronting darkness, pulling down stronghold, casting down every imagination, exposing every lie, and establishing the truth of God's word, you are lining up with darkness. How can you see a believer in, the, in Christ Jesus that men are polygamous in nature? Where did you fall from? What verse of the Bible proves to you? Is it that he made one man and one woman? Is God foolish? Didn't he know if men were polygamous in nature, wouldn't God know? Do you know more than God? You are saying in this world it's not possible. You lie. The Bible says, let God be true and all men liars. The reason why you think it's not possible is because you are not doing the things we are teaching you. How can a young man cleanse his way? He said, by looking at himself according to the word of God, not according to news. You've never been polygamous. You've never been. I didn't say promiscuous. I said polygamous and they are two different things. So, that's a discussion for another day. I hope we get to that day. But if you've never been polygamous, why are you scared? What exactly is the reason why you're scared? Because light is asking darkness for direction. Tell me one person in the Bible that said, ah, I could not overcome. A covenant person that was trained in the word of God Paul said, look, marriage, forget, let's focus on ministry. And he had women that were doing ministry with him. Even Jesus Christ of Nazareth, there were women that supplied for his need. But there's the wisdom of God's word on how to do things with integrity of the kingdom. You are too scared. We don't know how to depend on God. And I'm going to move to the next point, right? And I'm going to just crash everything. The final one is the spirit is light. Rome, Revelation chapter 4, verse 5. Revelation 4, 5. It says, And out of the throne proceed lightning and thunder and, the, and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. He says, And which which were the seven spirits of God. So he talks about light. He talks about lamb. He talks about fire. And said, that light you see, that fire you see, is representative of the spirit of God. The spirit of God is light. And so when you say you are scared that you will never overcome, it's because you don't know the spirit of God. The habit isn't stronger than him. He created the whole world. When they vexed him in the days of Noah, he wiped everything and cleaned everything. At the end of the day, he will, he will roll this whole world like, like carpets. And you think it's addiction that you can't overcome. Let me tell you something. Listen, don't even be scared. It's not, it's not hype. It's not less hope. There are men that have lived in purity and integrity. And they were not polygamous and they worked for God. Meaning people have done it. It's not something that people have not done. Why are you scared? You're always looking at the wrong things. You're feeding your spirit with the wrong things. How about look at the world? How about look at good examples? The spirit of God on your inside. He says it is him that is at work in you. He gives you the desire and he enables you to do the things that are pleasing to him. Trust him. The problem is we don't know how to trust God. We are looking at ourselves. How can a young man cleanse his way? By looking at himself in accordance to the word of God to conform his life to it. Never lose that thought. I'm not saying you can't do it on your own. I'm not saying you can overcome the habits on your own. I didn't even say you should do that. He said, it is him that is at work in you. Remember what we learned the other week? Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? He says, thanks be to God, who has delivered me. 
You see that? I'm not saying you can do ministry on your own. I'm not saying you can lead a life of joy on your own, a life of peace on your own, a life of self-control on your own. I'm saying trust in him. You know what the Bible says? It says, trust in the Lord with all your hearts. When you trust God, when your life is changed and they ask you how, you would say it is God and hence you would be as light and give glory to God. Next week we're going to learn about prayer. When you learn how to pray, you take the things that are inside of you and accentuate them. You activate them. Listen to me very carefully. If your testimony is not that it is God that worked in me, give me the desire to overcome and help me to overcome, you are wrong. You will still go back. Listen, even if you overcome habits and it was not by the help of God, it's not acceptable. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 from verse 29 to 31, the Bible says that no flesh will glory before the Lord. Nothing that is a product of man's efforts would glory before God. So, what I'm saying is that whether it's overcoming habits or it is shining as lights or it is doing ministry, it's the work of the spirits. This is why we started with you have the DNA of God. Next week we pray, we bring it out. Have you learned something today? Please rise up.